Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of The Real World. This is your host, Juan Pablo Sá, talking to you from the CITR station at UBC Point Grey Campus, located in the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. This week, we have a very special episode for you, and that is the case because I am joined once again by the amazing, the incredible Lily Grow. Say hello, Lily. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, uh, The Real World is the official radio show of the UBC Film Society. I am Juan, the, you know, radio liaison for UBC Film Society. And Lily is... Junior radio liaison. Hell yes. Amazing. Uh, once again, if you guys are UBC students and you guys are into films and you guys like watching movies and hanging out with people who love movies, make sure you're following our Instagram, you know, UBC Film Society on Instagram. Make sure you're following us because there is where, where we announced about all the cool events that are going to happen, all the cool screenings that are going to be taking place in the near future. So make sure that if you don't want to miss any of those events that you follow our Insta. Now... For those of you who joined us last week for last week's episode, you know that last week we talked about my top 10 movies of 2022, which I will give you a recap later on because I don't have the list with me at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, last week it was my uh, favorite movies of 2022. And now this week we are going to be talking about Lily's top 10 movies of 2022. So Lily... Take it away. Do you want to do a little recap of yours? I'll, I'll do a little recap of me gladly. Hell I yeah. I feel like we're going to be talking about a few of the same ones, so. <laughs> ah, yes. Okay, so yeah, there might be some repeats uh, because, you know, Lily Lily has a great taste. So, <laughs> of course, there are going to be some repeats with my list. Um, so I'll, I'll just, I'll give you a brief rundown of what is in my list of my top 10 of the year. Do you have the list over there, Lily? Mine is not loading. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh... I first did my honorable mention, so my number 20 to 11. My number 20 was Avatar The Way of Water. Number 19 was Broker. Number 18 was Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Number 17, Park Chan-wook's Decision to Leave. Number 16 was The Whale. Number 15 was Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Number 14 was Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Number 13 was The Fablemans. Number 12 was Elvis. And number 11 was The Beautiful, The Incredible Pinocchio. <laughs> now, my real top 10, like the best movies that I saw in 2022, was my number 10 was After Sun. My number 9 was She Said. My number 8 was Nope. My number 7 was The Batman. My number 6 was The Northman. Number 5, Top Gun Maverick. Number 4, The Banshees of Inisherin. Number 3, an extremely controversial pick, Babylon. Number two, Tar, and number one, everything, everywhere, all at once. So that is my list. If you guys are interested in hearing us, you know, delve deeper into my list and my thoughts on those films, you know, make sure you tune in to our previous episode where we discussed all of that. But now it is time for Lily's top 10 of 2022. Okay, so we'll get right into them. Hell my yes. list is 10 movies that all either had one thing or a few things that really stood out to me, um, whether it was just some of the acting performances or the soundtrack. Each of them kind of had one thing or a few that like helped them stay on my radar throughout the year and why they are still there in my top 10, why they're still in my mind after seeing all the movies that I saw over 2022. Amazing. So I feel like the list is also a pretty good mix of some things that might be showing up where we'll be seeing hearing a lot of them heading into Oscar seasons nominations are being announced tomorrow hell yes so a few of them might you might be hearing about there but some of my other ones I'll have to say are just some feel-good movies mm. they mm. were just warm and I enjoyed the experience and so that being said I say <laughs> that because my number 10 is a movie that I haven't really met anyone else who has seen it yet but it was just such a feel-good film. It was so warm, and it was about love, and this was Lindsay McKay's The Swearing Jar, which is a Canadian film, and it was, I think, McKay's second feature film, and it, kind of, and it debuted at TIFFs, which is pretty cool because I'm from Toronto. So Amazing. Instantly a classic. Instantly a favorite. So I had to see it, and I'm really glad I did because, yeah, I made it into my top 10. Um, starting on a pretty deep note for my top 10, it was about love, and I loved that. It was about true love and um, our notion about finding one true one, true one person in our lives 
And it challenges that because it asks us, are we allowed to find more than one true love? Um, So yeah, the lead did a really amazing job of conveying that possibility of being drawn to more than one person and showing what that guilt feels like, but also our desire to be happy no matter what. Um, And so I loved that. And it had a really small cast and crew um, and definitely not some of the same stylistic elements that I'll probably talk about more higher up in my list. But the story was just so beautiful. You haven't seen it, right? I haven't seen The Swearing Jar, but I am definitely interested after hearing you talk about it. I just really liked it. It was honest and it was touching and it was simple, but it was so sweet. So this starred Adelaide Clemens, Uh which pretty cool. She learned to sing for the movie, which I feel like people do, but each and every time it amazes me because that's just so cool, especially considering how beautiful her voice was. So she was really amazing. Yeah, I think you should watch it, Juan. I definitely will. It's in my list now. But uh, Lily, so can you tell us about, about uh, so what's the story of The Swearing Jar? Like, what, what is this film about? As someone who hasn't seen it, <laughs> sell me on it. Well, it's about a girl who falls in love twice. Uh-huh. And at the same time? <laughs> Don't ask such a question. You'll have to watch the movie okay, for yourself, okay? okay? okay fair. No spoilers here. Sure. (laughs) But that's what it's about. It's about what it feels like to fall in love twice and like our human devotion to each other and the guilt that comes with like feeling like you're betraying someone else because you're drawn to a second person. That's interesting. Hell yeah. yeah. I, I I thought it was great. Yeah. Amazing pick. But okay, so your number 10 is The Swearing Jar. Lily, what is your number nine of 2022? Number nine. The Fablemans. Fuck yeah. Okay, was that in your top 10? That was... Or at least top 20. That was, it was in my up top there. 20. It yes. was up there. Um, <laughs> yeah, what I have is that I am I know I'm not alone <laughs> when I say that this film was so magical because it just sparks that love of filmmaking and what it is to be young and just fascinate, fascinated with the making of movies. Um, it was just so fun to watch for anyone who is interested in films or actually being behind the scenes in films, making the movies themselves. So um, I really loved it. And it shows how the art of filmmaking and how it can capture truth, um, showing another person, them on the screen, how you can show them what truth is, but also how film can be used to manipulate the truth Mm -hmm. um, and manipulate how someone is in real life. Um, So there were a lot of layers to the to the movie and it was about family and it was also about being Jewish and all sorts of things but I think that was what I loved so much about it as someone who's interested in filmmaking and of course watching films was just how magical it was to see young Sammy be so fascinated by the art yeah hell yes what Uh, did you think I I freaking love the Fablemans I, I yeah I think it's one of the most beautiful films I saw last year but yeah 2022 was such a strong year that it didn't make it into my top 10 but I still really freaking love this movie. Uh, for those of you who don't know what The Fablemans is, uh, this is the newest film by Steven Spielberg. It is kind of autobiographical. It is Spielberg talking about how he fell in love with making movies and also about, you know, the experience that he lived through with his parents yeah. divorcing or, like, going through a rough patch, I guess. Yeah. Ah, that's such a beautiful film. And Michelle Williams is in it. Oh, yeah. And I love her. She's amazing. She was amazing. Let's see if she can get a Best Actress nomination tomorrow at the Oscars. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Now, let's play a song. So this is not from my top 10, but I would say from my top 20. I know it's from your top 20. Um, Hell yes. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. And here is the song. There must be lights burning brighter somewhere Got to be birds flying higher in a sky more blue If I can dream of a better land Where all my brothers walk hand in hand Tell me why, oh 
and understanding sometimes. Strong winds of promise that will blow away all the doubt and fear. If I can dream of a warmer sun where hope keeps shining on everyone, tell me why. Listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam speaking Musqueam people. Escape from Lizard City goes live on Friday, July 1st. Buy the cassette and lyric book on Bandcamp or stream wherever you listen to music. For the last two and a half years, you could avoid everyone except yourself. Welcome to Lizard City. And welcome back to the real world. This is your host, Juan Pablo Sá, talking to you from CITR, 101.9 FM Vancouver. I hope you'll enjoy that musical break. Of course, that song is from what movie, Lily? From Elvis. Hell yeah. Well, it, you know, it is not originally from Elvis. Elvis yes. Presley composed it many years ago. <laughs> but yeah. it is featured <laughs> in the 2022 movie Elvis by Bass Lerman. Yeah. Starring Austin Butler, who we think might get a Best Actor nomination tomorrow at the Oscars. We do think he'll definitely be up for it. We'll see. I'm excited. I, I think he deserves a nomination. 100%. Yeah. I think him... Okay, little... Little Oscar parentheses, best actor nominee parentheses. I think Austin Butler, Brendan Fraser, yeah. and Colin Farrell. Those are the three locks. Yeah. We will see who gets the other two spots, but I think those three, they're pretty much locked in. They're down. probably locked in, yeah. Hell yes. I agree. So, but yeah. Okay, a, a, brief, a brief summary of what we've been talking about. Uh, once again, <laughs> in this episode, we are talking about Lily's top 10 movies of 2022. Uh, and we just talked about Lily's number 10 and number 9. Yeah. And while Elvis ha- didn't make the movie, Elvis <laughs> didn't make the top <laughs> 10 for me, um, it was up there for both of us. So that's why I chose this song. And I really like this song when it plays in the film. It's at a really pivotal mo- moment for Elvis. Um, and it's just a testament to the power of music as a tool to inspire and to create change. And so 
I, I think it was probably one of my favorite moments in, in the film itself. So yeah. that's why I chose it to break this up a little bit with some music. But we'll move on to my number eight now. And before I say what it was, I'm going to quote some really a really wise person, okay? Uh-huh. This film was a story so small in size, but was so big in heart. And Aww. who said that? Yours truly, Juan. And what movie was this? Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, Yes. Baby. That's beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. And I think, yeah, I chose, you summed it up perfectly <laughs> last week. And so that's why I chose it right now. Um, but yeah, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on was my number eight. And I just thought, the writing and the voice acting was really incredible. Um, and that's what it came down to for me was just the love that you feel for this little shell and all of these individual lines. Marcel is just like the most lovable, endearing character. Like you just cannot love him. And his relationship, I just thought was so adorable that he builds with this random kind of filmmaker guy. And it's just such an odd little pair, but they happen to kind of really match each other and have this mutual curiosity about each other's lives. Um, And it's a weird, unlikely friendship, but it's so genuine and their interactions were just so sweet and how they learned from one one another. Um, Yeah. What did you think, Juan? Well, first of all, thank you for quoting me. I am very flattered. I didn't know that's where you were going. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, I, I, I love Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. It is uh, another way I, I describe this film. It's it's a deceptively simple film. It is one of those movies that when you when, when I first watched it, I was like, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's 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 simple. It's nice. It's, you know, it's 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 enough. It's it's okay. But then the more you think about it, the more you realize that not this movie is actually pretty freaking profound. Uh, you know, speaking of all the performances, as you mentioned, Jenny Slate. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where the voice of Marcel comes out of her, but yeah. she kills it. <laughs> I was so confused <laughs> yeah. when I when I looked up who was the voice. No clue. Have, but you, have you seen the interviews uh, where she's like, you know, going on like Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon and like doing the Marcel voice? Does she do voice? the voice? For yeah. Them? Oh my God. No, I haven't. I've got to go see that. Though. It's freaking adorable. <laughs> uh, just, I, that's not what I would expect. Hell yeah, but uh, but okay, yeah. So we we've talked about Marcel the Shell with shoes on in two episodes now. You know, we talked about it in last week's episode when I talked about my top movies of twenty twenty two, and we are talking about it once again, which is very much deserved. Uh, but something that we haven't mentioned is the character design, especially for all the little shells and all the yeah, members of Marcel's family. That's true. They're so cute. It's so adorable. I don't really do you know like what that's made out of. I mean, okay, it, it's stop motion animation, and from what I understand, it's like like real shells, like real objects, but yeah. just like clay, yeah, clay shoes. <laughs> so adorable, the little eyes too. Yeah, yeah. So, is it animation? Because like people are saying that it, it doesn't count as animated. That is a very fascinating debate. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Marcel the Show with Shoes on is without a doubt a hybrid movie in okay. the sense that it is both live action and stop motion right. animated. So, you know, where does it fall in the Oscar categories? We don't know. Uh, I mean, okay, yes, we do know. The Academy already determined that, yes, it counts as an animated film. Uh, but is it 100% through and through an animated movie? Well, it's a hybrid. It, it's it's kind of like, you know, I guess in a weird way, like Mary Poppins. You know how Mary Poppins is like live action? Yeah, but then yeah. You also have all of those segments where Mary Poppins interacts with animated characters and the animated penguins and stuff like that. Right. Uh, of course, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on is to a much bigger extent because, you know, in Mary Poppins, you only have one scene with the animated penguins and Marcel, Marcel is the main character through and through. Um, but no, it's 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 a beautiful film. I, I just think like it could have easily been like so lazily animated where like every single character, every single member of Marcel's family like looks exactly the same. Yeah. But no, they, they went the extra mile to just like give each member of Marcel's family like their unique personality and <laughs> style and look and towards the end of the film there's a scene where you see like all of them like like all the members oh, of his and family it's so sweet <laughs> to see like a, them all there's like a freaking cheeto in there yeah. <laughs> there's like a tampon yeah. a peanut it's uh, uh, it's so lovely it's so such an adorable film yeah Once but again, just the attention to detail like the way that each of the little characters move like it's like stop motion so i just can't even imagine like 
the attention to detail to make these things that are moving such little small spaces, but they are so distinct, like depending on if it was Nana, Nana Connie, I think, yeah. or Marcel, like this young little guy. Um, but they make them have all of those little characteristics. Hell yeah. By the way, if you guys loved Marcel the Shell with shoes on the movie, just in case you don't know about this, uh, this movie is actually based on three short films that are in YouTube right now. Have you seen them? I have seen them. I have not seen them yet. They're also very adorable, but, you know, they, they're YouTube videos, so the production quality is not as good as the one of the movie, but they're they're just as adorable. So, you know, if you guys haven't checked it out and you like the movie, definitely check those out. Yeah. But yeah, amazing pick. I was a bit confused because in the list that I have here, the next movie was not going to be Marcel the Shell with shoes on. <laughs> so I was like, oh, where is where is Lily going? <laughs> or <Order> switched up. <laughs> no. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> I was like, small in size, but big in heart. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't look at my letterbox right now. It's fake news. I won't fake I up. changed my mind. I'm turning off the phone right now. <laughs> anyway, Lily, tell us about your next pick. Next pick, number seven, murder, mystery, romance, decision to leave. So... This had a few things that stood out to me. Cinematography and the editing was so incredible. It it followed the headspace of this main guy who is this, this restless kind of insomniac detective. And following that type of headspace, I think, makes the pace of the film really fun and entertaining to watch because there's jump cuts and it switches from being like really fast-paced chase detective vibes like scenes and then also these kind of slow drawn out but equally matching intention interrogation scenes and building that romantic tension also and so I think that's it had me intrigued the whole time and then it's also got a lot of beautiful imagery about mountains and seas and that kind of dialogue about it matching the cinematography and some really beautiful shots of the water um, and just the set that they're in. It was just magical to watch. I completely agree. I am a huge Park Chan-wook fan. I love his body of work. Uh, Old Boy and Handmaiden are two of my favorite films of all time. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is also freaking fantastic. But this film, Decision to Leave, wow, holy shit. Like, I generally think Decision to Leave is like one of the most sensual romantic and just like steamy movies I've ever seen (laughs) but it toes this weird line where like you don't know if you're not if you're meant to like feel like like ooh like in love and like erotically moved by the film yeah or if you're meant to be like I hate those people don't trust her don't go near her yeah Uh, it's yeah it's the line that this film toes in between trust and complete mistrust it's it's pretty fine but it, it toes it in a perfect perfect way And yeah, as you mentioned, one of my favorite parts about this movie is the symbolism. I think this movie is just oozing with some very profound, very deep symbols that I honestly, I I still don't understand what most of them mean. Yeah. Like, I I think the main symbols, you know, which you mentioned when you were talking about it are, you know, the mountains and the sea, which, yeah, it it is pretty interesting. Like, you know, the movie's poster, yeah, the, the poster for the film has both characters standing in between mountains and the sea. Uh, characters are constantly talking about what they prefer. Like, you know, at, at different points, different characters say like, oh, I prefer the mountains. And then someone else says, oh, I prefer the sea. Yeah. Uh, then towards the end of the film, I'm not going to spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it. Uh, but there is a, you know, imagery of like mountains and the sea coming together. It's, yeah, it's very thought provocative. I, I, I love Decision to Leave. The physical way the mountains and the sea also come in, like for how they live and how, like, death and life yep they're coming in and they're representing those parts for all the characters that don't want to give any anything away but i'd really i'd watch it and pay attention to that you can't really not pay attention to the mountains and the sea but yeah hell yeah yeah if, if you guys are into like film noirs like from the golden age of hollywood definitely check this one out because it is it is a film noir for the modern times and i really freaking loved yeah. it what is your next pick lily next pick I've got a song to lead into it. This one is actually from the movies. It was adapted, I guess, for the movie's trailer. Uh Um, But I loved the song and it's just so hilarious playing during the trailer of this movie. So, yeah. Hell yeah. And here is the song. (laughs) 
To tell you that Vancouver has a housing problem, mass evictions, mass rent evictions, unfair rent increases. What happened to rent control and protection from unfair eviction? If these or other housing matters concern you, you may be interested in joining the Vancouver Tenants Union. For more information, visit tenantsunion.ca. Tune in every Thursday from 11 p.m. till midnight for copy and paste. With your host Tim, aka Autonomy, the very best in underground dance music. Welcome back to the real world. This is your host Juan Pablo Sá talking to you from CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. I hope you'll enjoy that musical break. But now it is time to jump right back in into our main topic, which is Lily's top 10 of 2022. So now that said. Before we do that, <laughs> I've just been informed that we have a very special listener who is currently tuned in to this episode of the Real World. Lily, do you want to shout out this very special listener? Yeah, I would. This is a very special listener. We are all very honored to have him. This is my dad. Hell yeah. <laughs> Big round of applause for Lily's dad. Shout out Adam. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in. Yes, thank you so much. It means a lot. <laughs> Okay, now that that's out of the way, thanks again, Adam, for being here. We're moving on to number six, not letting him hold up the show any longer. <laughs> Lily, do you want to give us a brief recap of your ten to seven before we jump into our number six? Ten to seven, ten, a Canadian classic. It will be from now on, the swearing jar. Hell yes. Number nine, the Fablemans. Eight, Marcel the shell with shoes on. Seven, decision to leave. 
and you just heard a song heading into number six. This was the song used for the trailer of Triangle of Sadness. This film was just so hilarious. What I remember, my first thing that I thought of and I wrote down was that it was had such a good mix of being cleverly disturbing in a gross and physical way that was just so disgusting and also disturbing in this like political, thoughtful, deeper way. And so I like that combination. Um, it basically confronts so many things from capitalism to social media influencers um, and just the super wealthy and it was so funny overall it was just a good social satire um, despite being a bit lengthy is what I've read people thought it was a bit too long but um, it takes a turn kind of into a second act which I think is what kept me for the length. I wasn't personally really thrown off by the length because it took a bit of a twist and headed in a different direction. Um, it kept me engaged. Um, the two main characters also was what kept me going throughout the length of it. Their banter was such a just fun relationship to see evolve over the changes that happened throughout the movie. Um, so that was Harris Dickinson and then his the other co-star and he had a few actual movies this year, and so I've really enjoyed him throughout the year. Big year for that guy. And oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, what do you, what did you think of it? Uh, Triangle of Sadness, great film. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Uh, by the way, this is the newest film from director Ruben Osland, who is known for making very poignant, like social commentary, political satire, like basically commenting on the social state of. Society, to put Society. it that way. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, Ruben Oslin's previous body of work includes movies such as The Square, and it also includes the movie Force Majeure, amongst others. Uh, this film, Triangle of Sadness, actually won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival, which is the same prize that Parasite won back in 2019. Mm. Um, and now my thoughts on Triangle of Sadness is this is a film that I think is great and I really, really enjoyed uh, this was one of the movies that I had the privilege of watching at the Vancouver International Film Festival, uh, which was an insane experience. So cool. Did you watch it in the, fe uh, the festival? No, I didn't. I oh, wish I did, though. It was it was insane. Like, the theater was packed. Everyone was laughing. Because for some reason, like, okay, yes, the movie by itself is fucking hilarious. Oh, sorry, Adam. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> the, the movie by itself is very, very funny. But... Like, movie audiences, whenever you put audiences in, in a film festival, for some reason, film festival just makes everyone so freaking giddy. Like, everyone just laughs at anything yeah. at a film festival. It's actually pretty freaking insane. Like, even when I was watching The Whale, which is, like, one of the most depressing movies I saw this year, there were people, like, losing their shits <laughs> laughing all the way through. And, yeah, this is not the exception with this film. Like, the, people were laughing constantly yeah which i i was thankful there were like subtitles because i could still understand what they were saying because they were laughing so much i couldn't hear what was going on uh but no this is a movie that uh when it began its first act i was like oh my god this is gonna be like one of my favorite movies of all time like the commentary on the art industry on and on pretentiousness and you know on how people pretend to like, you know, certain things just because they're famous or just because they have a brand attached to them. Uh, the commentary on the modeling industry and like, uh, incredible, freaking incredible stuff. Uh, then you have like the date that the main character goes on with his girlfriend, which I thought was one of the most hilarious moments of the entire movie. Oh my gosh, that's oh. <laughs> what I'm saying. Their banter, the way they interact, the bill scene is what, what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, incredible. So, so cringy in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, kind of like The Office, I guess. <laughs> but then the first act, I absolutely loved. Then the second act, I was still on board. I still thought was really freaking amazing. And the second act, which is everything that happens in the boat, basically. Uh, the second act contains one of the most insane, balls-to-the-walls crazy scenes I've ever seen in my life. Which I'm not going to spoil in case you haven't seen it, but... Oh, you, you'll, you'll know it when you watch this movie. <laughs> hey, trust me. You'll be watching this movie. If you haven't seen Triangle of Sadness, you'll be watching it. And there will be like five times where you will be like, oh, yeah. So that is the scene Juan is talking about. No, no, no. no just, just wait for it. Just, just, just wait. give it five more minutes. You'll know it when you see it. And then you'll keep thinking you just saw the crazy scene until it actually happens. <laughs> there are so many bodily fluids 
and uh, conversations about Marxism and democracy and capitalism and m- even more bodily fluids. And yeah. <laughs> that scene in the second act is just freaking insane. If you thought Babylon had a lot of bodily <laughs> fluids, you should watch that scene. And honestly, just the whole film has... Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, so the second act, I was still loving it. Third act, I am afraid to say that I didn't love the third act as much as most people do. And I know I'm in the minority. You know, most people adore Triangle of Sadness. Uh, I still think it's a great movie. But yeah, I don't know. For some reason, the third act, like everything after the boat, I'm not going to spoil what happens. The third act is what? Is like... Threw you off? Yeah. I I don't know. I just just felt it started losing steam a bit. And in, in my opinion, I felt like they were just you know, retreading water and they were like constantly saying the same thing over yeah. and over again. They are hammering in the same yeah. kind of things, but... And I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, I know that a lot of my friends, uh, the people who I went to watch this movie with at the film festival, a lot of my friends didn't enjoy this movie and they said it was like not subtle at all and it was like a sledgehammer and... I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I, I don't think there's any requirement that, like, oh, if you make a satire, it needs to be subtle. If not, it's yeah. bad. No, 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 no. Fuck that. Like, you know, yes, you can have satires that are satires that are subtle, which are freaking great. But you also you can also have satires that are that have the subtlety of a sledgehammer, which means none, and they can still be great. So yeah, I I I think Triangle of Sadness is a great film, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the third act, but. I am glad you had it in your top 10 because now we can talk about this gem. Yeah. Any last thoughts on Triangle of Sadness or? No, I think I think we got it all. Amazing. Oh, also, by the way, keep your keep an eye out on Dolly De Leon, which was nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the Golden Globes. She plays uh, the maid like the, oh, okay. uh, in Triangle of Sadness. She might get nominated for Best Supporting Actress tomorrow. Maybe, maybe. The Best Supporting Actress race this year... Okay, once again, another Oscar parentheses. The Best Supporting Actress this year is... I'm sorry, Adam, but it's a freaking shit show, okay? It's... it's, it's <laughs> I, I have no idea who's going to win. It's freaking insane. So, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see who gets in. But Dolly De Leon is definitely one of those horses in the race. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Number five, I've got The Banshees of Inna Sharon. Hell Yes. Where was this on your list, Ian? Banshees of Inisherin was my number four. Number four. Okay. So pretty similar. We both clearly really, really liked it. Um, the story, the full concept, I, I don't even have any, the entire thing um, that came to make this movie was amazing. And yeah, I'll say what I think it was about. It was about friendship and it was about identity and abandonment and self-growth and sacrifice. It, it covered a lot of different things. Um, I really liked how it talked about who we are um, without each other, who we are with each other, and your identity in the face of abandonment. And then also what it is to be willing to sacrifice things when you're trying to explore yourself more, obviously on the most <laughs> extreme scale yep. ever, but as it should be, because that was so dramatic and I think that's what made it so amazing. So you wouldn't think that something kind of this simple when you read what the story was about, two friends, one of them doesn't want to be friends anymore, could be so engaging and so rewatchable and have me hooked the entire time, but it just was. And it was a slower pace than a lot of the films I feel like I was drawn to in my top 10, but it had the things going for it, like the acting and the cinematography, everyone is talking about cinematography for this movie, but as they should be, it <laughs> had those things going for it that I think that's what made it number five for me. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, The Banshees of Inisherin. for those of you who don't know, that is the newest film written and directed by Martin McDonough, who is the guy behind absolute masterpieces such as Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Seven Psychopaths, and In Bruges. This is actually, you know kind of a spiritual successor of In Bruges in the sense that, you know, you also have Martin McDonough writing and directing and you also have Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell who absolutely kill it and will most definitely get nominated tomorrow at the Oscars. Best actor. Best actor for Colin Farrell and best supporting for Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. But they both deserve it. Yeah, no, I I adore Banshees of Inisherin. We talked about it a lot last, uh, you know, last week in Mm -hmm. a previous episode. I think the, the main point that I love the most is, you know, the philosophical exploration or like, of, you know, of the the idea of, like, 
you know, what gives meaning to our life? Like, is it enough to just be a good person and make those around you happy? Or do you need to leave something behind? Do you need to be remembered in order for, for your life to have a meaning? Yeah. I, I, I love this movie. I freaking love The Banshees of Inisherin. This was another film that I had the privilege of watching at the Vancouver International Film Festival, uh, which, once again, was pretty insane. People were laughing the whole way through. Uh, this film did not have subtitles. <laughs> so uh, there were many moments where I missed jokes because people were just constantly laughing. <laughs> the environment just got everyone going. That's kind yeah. of frustrating to not be able to see the lines. Though. On top of that, everyone, uh, you know, everyone in this film speaks with a very heavy Irish accent. Yep. So there were many, many lines that like everyone around me would erupt in laughter and I would be like, huh, what do you say? <laughs> what, what, what was the joke again? Uh, but yeah, I have rewatched it since with subtitles and okay. I, I, I love it even more. Yeah. Um, my last question about the Banshees of Inisherin, Lily, is how cute is that donkey? So cute. <laughs> oh my gosh. The cutest donkey ever. I never really thought I would like think a donkey is cute. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> how dare you, Lily? I thought he was pretty cute. He was very cute. Hell yeah. What is next, Lily? Next up, which I was just informed that people have really been hating on. I didn't know it was as hated as I, <laughs> as it apparently is. But in number four, I have Babylon, which, sorry to admit, that I only just saw it. So I'm still kind of sitting with it. I saw it this weekend. Um, I wish I had seen it earlier and had more time to think about it. But straight away, it made it its way to number four. Hell yeah. As it should. As it should. And it was another beautiful score from justin hurwitz same from la la land yeah i no (laughs) words i've been listening to the to the music all weekend yeah it's it's so beautiful oh my gosh i was literally just listening to it on my way here (laughs) to record this episode (laughs) (laughs) it's been going on repeat i i would give it a listen doing homework anything played in the background it was beautiful so yeah on top of that acting margot robbie and diego calva gave i was like in love with them both by the end i walked out of the theater and i was just like those were the most dreamy mesmerizing like most dashing performances they're both so beautiful and then they their characters were just like had your undivided attention when they were on the screen i i was amazed what about brad pitt Brad Pitt. <laughs> Whoa. Also dreamy. Hell yes. Also dreamy. You can't really deny that. But yeah, I Brad agree. Pitt was good as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, Lily, uh, welcome to the club. It's a very small club. <laughs> the, the club of people who love Babylon. Now I'm with happy you, to be it here. is five of us. Okay. But it is, a, it is a nice club to be a part of. We'll take over the world together, just us five, <laughs> because it deserves to be up there. I don't know. I don't really see why people are hating on it as much as they are, but I just thought everything about it was so dazzling. It was about Hollywood and its evolution and who was caught in that evolution, who was launched up from it, who was killed in it, and just like everyone caught up in that whirlwind of Hollywood's growth. Hell yes. Um, I'll never stop listening to the score. I already said that, but... It just shows the magic and the evil of film all in one movie. I think we talked about that last week. I've never seen something capture both sides of it and not really have you convinced of either side. Just kind of thinking of like, it's so something, it's something so magical, but also something wrapped up in so much evil and so many bad things as well. And you just kind of have to look at both sides of it at once because you can't eliminate either. And the costumes, all of it. I don't know what else to say. Hell Everything yeah. about it. I am absolutely in love with Babylon. I, I freaking adore this film. Yeah, to me, it, it is also a shock that critics and people are not liking this film as much as we are. Because for me, in my mind, this is an absolute freaking masterpiece and another absolute win from Damien Chazelle. Uh, yeah. This film was directed by Damien Chazelle, who is the guy who did La La Land and Whiplash in years before. Absolute genius from my perspective, I guess. Um yeah, no, speaking of the performances, because we didn't we didn't talk about that much uh, in, in our previous episode last week. Uh, I remember when, when the film started, I went into the screening, like, you know, a bit cautious because I had seen the initial reactions. And I was like, wait a minute, like, people are not liking this? Like, whoa, yeah. okay, what is going to happen? But then it, it was just like great scene after great scene after great scene. And then 
it got to that scene. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm I'm just going to be very cryptic talking about it. But Lily, it got to the point where that <laughs> scene where like every single character is like doing their best and like realizing their dreams in Hollywood. You have like Diego Calva freaking uh, going off in 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 a little car to pick up a camera. Yeah. You have Margot Robbie acting her ass out. And everyone is in awe. And Brad Pitt just like doing this magical beautiful scene with a butterfly. And it's like this incredible montage where they show you this three people making it in the film industry and trying their best and Margot Robbie like crying and acting and it, I, that scene I was like okay this is a freaking masterpiece <laughs> this is a freaking masterpiece It was and then the other one I don't know how I can also be cryptic but um the, the funniest scene was then they when they have to take so many shots they're learning how to use sound in film. Oh yeah. And they take I don't really know how many shots but so many and they keep having to change these small things. I love it was so funny as well. Like that was Hell the funniest yes. scene I think from the whole thing. Dark comedy. <laughs> Very dark, dark as well. <laughs> death. Yeah, but uh you know But hilarious death. Absolutely. But you know, of course, uh this film has many references, intentional references and nods to Singing in the Rain, which yeah. have you seen Singing in the Rain? Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Hell yes. You see, I think I'm finding a pattern. I, like every single person who, well, I won't say every single person because that's not the case, but most people who have seen Singing in the Rain and have also seen this film really enjoy Babylon. So oh. maybe that's a requirement. Maybe Watch Singing <laughs> yes. in the Rain. Watch Singing in the Rain before you watch Babylon. Yeah. Trust us, you won't regret it. Uh, also, last week when we were talking about Babylon, I mentioned that even if I gave you 1,000 tries, you wouldn't be able to guess what the ending of Babylon is. <laughs> Yeah. Without giving it away, what do you think of that ending? <laughs> I I I couldn't even talk after it. I was so shocked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were you expecting to see what you saw? No, I also cannot even imagine how much that cost. That's what yeah. I was kind of thinking of. <laughs> I I think uh okay, I'll I'll be as cryptic as I can. But <laughs> but when some blue people that I won't mention <laughs> when those blue people showed up I was like get the fuck no out way. of here no way this is happening right here I right now I can't believe I'm seeing blue people's in Babylon <laughs> I'm obsessed with it I love that ending though it was so chaotic it was beautiful and, but and the whole movie was about chaos exactly and you see so okay I, after watching the movie I was like there's no way people are hating this I made a deep dive where I read so many negative reviews about this film mm-hmm. because I really wanted to see like what are people saying what what is not gelling with critics uh you know first of all people are saying it's too long and it's too bloated people are saying that it is too messy and what they mean is that it is you know that they don't know if the film is meant to be like a celebration or of Hollywood or a condemnation of Hollywood. Yeah. So a lot of people are saying that it is messy because of that, but in my opinion, I think that's a strength. I think that's exactly what makes it so special that the film doesn't pick a side. Yeah, as you said. that's what I'm trying to say. Like I I don't want anyone going yeah. in to try to pick a side. I think that was the same thing kind of with the Banshees like I feel like a lot of the talk was like trying to see who you agree with. Yeah. But I think what is so beautiful about these films is like you don't have to you shouldn't feel i think that takes away from it and that's when it comes those critics like come in saying that like i don't know what it was going for like (laughs) just take a look at both sides and be completely interested in both i yeah and is the movie messy yes is the movie chaotic yes but it is meant to be and mm-hmm. that is a good thing. Yeah. You know, the, I, I think the movie's a masterpiece. And I am so glad Lily's in my side. <laughs> Hell yeah. If you guys want to join the Babylon Club, let us know. Send us an email or send us mail. By the way, we got a P.O. box here at CITR. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> what the address do. is, but, you know, you guys can, you guys can send us a mail if you want. You can. <laughs> you guys can send us a letter being like, hey, you guys were right. Babylon is amazing. Or you guys can send us a letter saying like, hey, Babylon sucks. And then we will read it and then we'll throw it in the trash. Shred it. Shred it. <laughs> okay. No, I'm kidding. We've got to zoom through these last three. Yes, we I'm do. glad we had that little moment of being on the same side because number three. Oh, <laughs> yes. Is white noise, mm. which me and Juan do not agree on. I'll say my piece first. This, I don't know why I connected with it so much. It was also so chaotic, and I'm also pretty sure a few things went over my head because I read one review that someone said in the middle, I was like, wait, what movie am I watching again? And that is also how I felt 
things went over my head. I was confused, but for some reason I was so satisfied in that confusion. It's got so many motifs, so many metaphors going on. I love the topics that they tackled ranged all the way from these mundane everyday conflicts like diet culture they talk about um and like your relationship with your body and then also like family miscommunications and dynamics all the way to these existential crises like death and even like could relate it to pandemics and these global scale issues they tackle them all at once which is probably why so many people say (laughs) It's chaotic. (laughs) It's hard to really dive deep into one when you're putting them all into this one film. But I would watch it again and again to try to pick up more little things. And I think that's what I kind of like about it. Like it's like a little scavenger hunt of all of these crazy little things that they're putting in it. Stylistically, you even said it's beautiful. Yes. The colors. Yes. Insane. Um. I'll hear your side too, but one little um, quote they said was, out of some persistent sense of a large-scale ruin, we keep inventing hope. And that's what I think the film captured a bit for me. It's called White Noise, and there is so much white noise happening in the movie. You can't pick up some of the conversations. You can't pick up some of the dialogue. I'm missing probably so many of the messages and topics that they pick up, but in all of that noise in all of this chaos and all of this ruin, you can invent your own hope and that it's kind of a choice. Hell yeah. First of all, I, I will say that, Lily, you're not alone. Uh, you know, <laughs> there, there, is, there is a very small club of people who also really adore white yes, noise. Yes, so. send us mail. Send <laughs> me mail. Yes, don't send me mail <laughs> of uh, adoring white noise. Uh, yeah, not a fan. Um, yeah, which honestly kind of sucks. Uh, okay, so we just talked about a movie that is messy and chaotic in the best way possible, which is Babylon. <laughs> uh, and now we are talking about a movie that, in my opinion, is messy and chaotic in the worst way possible, and that is White Noise. And it is a shame. Like, if I'm being completely honest, if you ask me, Juan, what were your three most disappointing movies that you watched in 2022? I'm talking disappointing movies, not the worst movies. Because, yeah, sure, the worst movies are, like, Morbius, Morbius and freaking Disney's live-action Pinocchio. But yeah. but the most disappointing ones, like, the ones that I think had, like, the biggest potential and just failed miserably, I would say Empire of Light by Sam Mendes, Thor Love and Thunder by Taika Waititi, and White Noise. You know, I am a huge Noah Baumbach fan. I love Frances Ha. I freaking adore marriage story i was so excited for white noise i haven't heard anything but great things about the book i went to a screening at the viv center we got an introduction from the film's editor he was there at the viv center he hyped us all up and then the movie started and it just it just fell flat to me it's I, i don't know like okay this is a movie that i respect a lot more than i actually enjoy i i like i do recognize that there are some great pieces in this film the performances, absolutely incredible. Yeah. Adam Driver, I haven't seen a single movie with Adam Driver where he doesn't give it his 110%. It's true. It is freaking insane. And he is magnetic in this movie. Greta Gerwig gave it her all. The child actors gave it their all. Don Cheadle <laughs> hammed it up. You know, everyone is giving it their all. Apart from that, the costumes are colorful and are great, very well designed. Uh, the, 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 the freaking set pieces are absolutely breathtaking. Like from a technical perspective, this film has all the pieces that should come together to make a great film. But this is a movie that in my opinion is way less than the sum of its part. In, in, in my opinion, in my personal opinion. It fell short for you. I, very short. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, I just nosedived into a tank full of sharks. <laughs> but um, I think the best way I can put it is the thing that I hated the most about this film is the dialogue. I hated the fact that every single character in this film talked like they were characters inside a book. Every single line of dialogue was written as if you were reading a book. They all talked with like perfect grammar, perfect spelling, perfect punctuation. <laughs> every single... Okay, so that quote that Lily just told you, yes, beautiful quote. Now imagine if every single line of dialogue that comes out of a character's mouth is like people trying to make a statement similar to quotes like that. It's very abstract. For the first yeah, three minutes, but... I was like, okay, yeah, ooh. That's like, mm, like every character is trying to make a big statement about like the universe and, and, and freaking being. And I'm like, I'm into this. 
But then after 10 minutes, where every single time that a character opens their mouth, they're trying to make this huge statement about reality, it just got to a point where I was just like, just shut up, just, dude, just shut the fuck up. Just come on, man. Yeah, honestly, I think the best way I can put it is, for as much as this film is trying to comment about white noise, after a while, this movie just became white noise in my ears. And I just yeah. I just sat there motionless, waiting for this thing to end. That said, the last scene, last scene was fun. I, I'm I not, thought it was yeah. so fun. Yeah. I would play that song right now, but it's <laughs> yeah, seven minutes long. Full body Roomba. <laughs> but, okay. But yeah, I, I respect it. I'm I respect glad we were it. able to have it out, have a respectful conversation about it. Hell yes. And I, I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I, I wish I would have loved it. Like, I, I, I always wish I love movies because I, I, I love loving movies. It, it's fun loving movies. But, yeah, boy, this one was just painful for me. But, I'm, I'm hey, I'm glad you love it, Lily. Okay. <laughs> I think we should move on from that. Hell yes. We, we might have to circle back another. But that's for another time and place. We'll go to number two. We'll zoom through them quickly. Yes. <laughs> number two, I add After Sun. We talked about it last week. So, you can listen to more of that there. But yeah, overall, the acting, the dynamic between the two main characters was really, really beautiful. As someone who's very close with my dad, shout out Adam if you're still listening. Hell yeah, Adam. Adam. Um, then it, it made it really special to watch as someone who kind of relates to having such a close relationship with your dad. But then it also takes many turns and it talks about the innocence of childhood and what revelations i guess come with age and looking at that um it was just a really fresh coming of age film and makes you think about all these interactions you have with your parents and what i guess you're not understanding when you're younger and the the knowledge that comes with age a little bit hell yeah yeah i completely agree beautiful film dito everything lily said moving on to your number one number one I'll second Juan's everything, everywhere, all at once. Hell yes. This was everything, everywhere, all at once in the best possible way, again, (laughs) like Babylon. Also very chaotic. This film is about the universe and family and love and all sorts of things. I loved the message. (laughs) You're not going to like this, but I think it also comes a little bit back to white noise and... At a certain moment, um, the main character, Evelyn, actually says, what do we do kind of against all of this noise? Against all of this noise, I'm still choosing. I'm still choosing you. I'm still making these choices to kind of get out of this confusion, get out of the ruin and get out of the mess and choose to kind of cherish moments um, instead of like sulking in these fears of death or fears of being so small in such a big universe. And so I feel like it touches on some of those similar topics that I guess seem to really hit me this 2022 um, and in a different way than white noise, I'd say, but still some similar things. And yeah, the costumes, so fun. Story was so creative. The sets are amazing. Yes. The action scenes just like have you gripped, glued to the screen the entire time. Yeah. I completely agree with everything that Lily mentioned. Everything Ever All at Once was also my number one of 2022. So definitely check it out if you haven't watched it already. Uh, And yeah, I completely agree with Lily's sentiment about this movie being a product of its time. Like this film, more than any other movie that I watched in 2022, it perfectly captured just the mental state of the people of our generation. You know, Mm -hmm. Gen Sears, you know, we live in a weird generation where the future is uncertain and we're constantly overwhelmed by so much, by the world that's changing, by, by you know, expectations, by the idea that we have to constantly be moving and changing and evolving and achieving. And there's not really time to just stay still and breathe and just take it all in. So, yeah, this movie as an antidote to that nihilism, that sense of feeling lost and, and forgotten, it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. Absolutely incredible film. Anyway, Lily, any any last thoughts? Any any words of goodbye before we end the show? That was my top ten. <laughs> Hell yeah! If you haven't seen any of those, go watch them. One hundred percent. So uh, a quick little recap of Lily's top ten is: 
Lily's number 10 was The Swearing Jar. Number 9, The Fablemans. Number 8, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Number 7, Decision to Leave. Number 6, Triangle of Sadness. Number 5, The Banshees of Anisharan. Number 4, Babylon. Number 3, White Noise. Number 2, After Sun. And number 1, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And that is it for this week's episode of The Real World. Make sure to tune in next week at the same time, 4 to 5 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. And next week, we're going to be talking about our most anticipated movies of 2023. Hell yeah. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> and that's, that's going to be a cool topic. But yeah, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank and now you. it is time we go into one last little ad before we end the show. And here it is.